Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. You know, one of the wonderful things about our craft beer universe are all the different bars and restaurants that are now selling craft beer, but they're not all created equal. You know, uh, some are a whole lot better than others. And so we're very fortunate today on the program to have as our guest, Ben Burton, who is the co-owner of one of the best craft beer bars in the Charleston Huntington market. That's the Pallet Bar in Taze Valley. And Ben, we're joined today. Uh, I'm here with Aaron McCoy. And of course, Aaron is my co-host on the West Virginia Beer Roads. And then we have Lynette Stewart with us, who is the president of our local beer club, the um, Craze Group here in, in Charleston, West Virginia. And so uh, we'll all be uh, involved in the questioning as we go along. Hey, thank you everyone. Charles, Aaron, Lynette. Yeah, no, I, for those of our viewers and listeners here to our podcast that aren't that familiar with the Palette Bar, why don't you give us a little nutshell view of you know, your business model and uh, like what are the main features that you think make the Palette Bar stand out? Sure. So uh, uh, about two years ago, uh, three of us had an idea about opening a, a craft beer bar in West Virginia, um, just based upon our love of beer and uh, everything that we had done out of state. And we felt like the area was really missing for something that was purely a, a craft bar beer. Um, craft beer bar, I'm sorry. So we, uh, we got our heads together and uh, we were sitting around our kitchen table in December of, of 2018 and said, all right, we're going to do it. So uh, the process from finding a location, uh, permitting, licensing to final build out uh, took about six months. So we opened June 1st, 2019. Um, we have currently, we have 24 rotating taps. Uh, two of those taps are nitro. Um, we have three coolers with, uh, a stock full of beer of, uh, approximately about a hundred different beers in the coolers, um, cans, bottles, anything, um, that you can get. We, we try to stock in many different styles, um, so, so we are a, uh, we do growler fills, we do crowler fills. Uh, we, we try to service everything that we could think of. Excellent. You know, and, and you're located there in Taze Valley, right? I mean, you might, it's a taste, near the Taze Valley, what, like a half a mile off the Taze Valley exit? Is that? Yeah, we're about a half a mile off the exit, uh, right on the main drag of 34. Uh, there's a stoplight and you can see us from the stoplight. So it's a, a convenient location. We're 20 miles from Charleston, uh, probably 25 miles from Huntington. So we're, we're midway in between. We're seven months into this COVID pandemic and it's wreaked havoc on many bars and restaurants in our region and elsewhere, of course. And we've all heard about the restrictions that are placed on bar operations because of the, all of this. And many people just are not comfortable being inside. So Tell me what you're doing to try to keep customers coming to the pallet bar during the pandemic, especially those that aren't comfortable being inside. Yeah, so, so it's been really tough. Um, you know, we had plans, the state actually shut us down on March 17th for, um, you know, sitting down in the bar. Uh, we sell food so we could do takeout at that point moving forward. 
Um, so actually St. Patrick's Day was the last day we were open um, for a while to do to do in in bar uh, uh, drinking. So, right. so unfortunately, our bartenders staff make most of their money off of tips. So, you know, nobody knew how long we would be closed. So, um, you know, right off the bat, we, we met and we talked to staff and said, hey, you know, we've got to let you guys go right now because we don't know when we can open back up. And, you know, all the staff was great with that. And they understood the situation. And, you know, the ABC, it, it was kind of, you had to figure out what we were going to do for a while. Nobody really knew. Nobody had ever dealt with this. So uh, we consulted with a few folks, um, got some ideas of what we were going to do. And the three owners and spouses, uh, we worked it when we were closed the whole time. So, um, you know, what saved us was the growler station, uh, being able to do crowlers. We have a crowler machine, which we thought that was a great thing to do in West Virginia when we got it, because we would go out of state and see all these crowlers and uh, really, it was a missed market, uh, we felt like. So um, we, we immediately went out and bought a bunch of bottles and cans. And with the idea of, well, we're, we're going to be here. Let's see what people are going to do. So um, we would open. We would have customers come in on Tuesdays and say, hey, I, I'm buying everything for the week. We'll see you next week. Well, uh, luckily for us, uh, I think day drinking went up. <laughs> Like a hundred percent Yeah, like day drinking, uh, that's gotten uh, that's yeah. quite a bit of publicity. <laughs> so, you know, it went from uh, our customers seeing us Tuesday saying, we'll see you next week to Friday or Saturday, them coming back in and saying, hey, I'm out. You know, how are we dealing with this stuff? Right. So, um, you know, we, we thoroughly sanitized each and every customer that came in there. We would disinfect and clean. We cleaned all, everything we could. Uh, we were just so worried about, okay, we don't want to be a place that's an example. So we got to the forefront and immediately started sanitizing and disinfecting and, and just stepped up everything we've done. Um, you know, we, we couldn't have anybody in there to sit and drink. So it was all to-go sales. Uh, the food, right. you know, state opened up some delivery and, and we did that for a while. Um, and then eventually, you know, they opened us back up at, at 50% occupancy. Right. You have, you don't really, there's no ability for you to have any outdoor seating in order to try to attract some customers before that restriction was lifted. Correct. Right. Um, you know, we do have, we had some plans to, um, to figure out if we could do some outdoor seating. Um, but for now we don't have it. Yeah. For now we don't back in, in January. Uh, you know, we had to do our first year, so we didn't really know what to expect, and and we, we talked on about, hey, can we open up some outdoor? Um, but you know, with this going on, it was like, well, gosh, we don't know if we're going to be open, closed. What's going on? Well, staying on that issue, and obviously, still with the pandemic and, and the restrictions, how has that or did it? affect your supply um, as far as beer coming in? As you said, you had a lot of more people coming in and kind of stocking up and filling up their growlers and crowlers. Did you have any issues with your beer supply as far as getting draft or cans or bottles to be able to sell people? You know, a, a lot of, we primarily focused on West Virginia breweries. Um, I think I looked right now and 22 out of 24 of our taps are West Virginia breweries. So um, we make that a, a, a strong effort that why buy beer from out of state when the beer that we're making in state is better than a lot of those? 
So, you know, initially um, we did run into some difficulties with drafts because a lot of the breweries went to canning. Right. Uh, so we stocked up on cans and we always had cans and bottles. Um, so there was never a supply issue for us because primarily we were getting it from our local guys and, and they saved us, you know, that was shipping to West Virginia, but, but all these local guys just, just tuned up their canning lines and, and saved us. Well, that's good. You didn't have any issues. And a little earlier, and I knew I mentioned it in my question, but we talked about the restrictions that were imposed with regulatory changes concerning, um, I'm sorry, concerning alcohol sales that come about because of COVID. Were you involved with that at all or trying to help influence the regulatory changes that did come about? You know, I, I, I wasn't. Um, I did consult a little bit with some folks to figure out what we could do, um, what we couldn't do. Um, I spoke with Chuck Johnson, who wrote the legislation on the growlers because we didn't know, you know, exactly what we we're going to be able to do with those. Um, so so that's that has been an issue, truthfully. Um, there's not been a, a whole lot of guidance for us. Um, you know, I guess it's under the governor's executive order, but, but, you know, the ABC hasn't really done a whole lot in formal guidance. Um, right. So, so that's been an issue and, and we, we want to do things right, but we want somebody to tell us how to do things. You, you know, right. I don't want to do something wrong and, and it be because something wasn't communicate to us. So, um, there's a lot of local guys that are great sources and telling us what to do. Uh, and we err on the side of caution. If there's any question at all, we just don't do it. I mean, we're just not going to. Okay, Ben, since the Palo Bar specializes in selling beer from West Virginia breweries, I'm wondering if you would talk about the changes you've seen in the market since you first opened, uh, maybe what the breweries are making or what, uh, customers are ordering. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, I think this is a national trend, but really this summer, I think the sour market in West Virginia has exploded. Um, you know, with with Sam down at Weathered Ground and that Bear of Fruit series has really been a hit with folks that come into the bar. Um, everyone wants to try one of those new styles. Um, you know, Short Story did the Fun with Prism series, and those have been amazing. Um, you know, Stump Down has done the smoothie series and, and everyone that they make ha has been, you know, just great. Uh, the Peddler has been making great sours. And, and that's really something that uh, that we've, you know, turned on to our customers that come in that I, I don't truly think they're craft beer uh, drinkers, but uh, anything as a fruited sour is lighter on their palates. And anything we put on tap that's a fruited sour just flies and goes crazy. Okay. I know your original concept, you didn't feature food service. How has your thinking on that subject changed? Um, like what are the pluses and minuses of where you're doing the food trucks now? Well, we do have food service. Um, we don't have a full kitchen. So we do things with air fryers. So we do wings, pierogies. Uh, tater tots. We do uh, basically appetizers um, to, to kind of cope with this pandemic and and having people that weren't comfortable being inside. Uh, we got together and started searching out all the food trucks that we could. And you know, you all three of you guys have been out of state and you've seen these breweries that have a different food truck every weekend just pulled up outside. And I always thought that was a great idea. 
um, you know, there's not a lot of variety in West Virginia, but it's taken off, uh, and, and especially due to the pandemic. So um, we've tried to do a food truck every Saturday to get people in to, you know, to have quality food. And then that gets them in front of the bar. And while they're there, say, hey, you know, I'm going to come in, get a growler to go. Uh, I'm going to have a beer while I wait on my food. So that's really helped us out. Um, you know, we had a lot of events that we were going to plan this summer and, and really food trucks is the only thing that we can do right now. Well, Ben, I'm uh, kind of interested in how you personally got interested in craft beer and all the varieties of beer. I mean, I know uh, uh, you've had to have thought a lot about it, like you said, when you guys were planning the thing, but did you start it in homebrewing or, or just or just drinking? No, um, I'm purely a drinker. <laughs> we experimented. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think most of us at this table are too. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I got a homebrew kit for Christmas last year, and I've made one batch, and it was pretty good. But uh, I, I, I'm mostly a drinker. So, um, you know, several years ago, our one of our co-owners, Shane Richardson, he was the guy between all three of us that would get us to branch out and try different things. And, you know, Shane is really the reason that we, you know, Jamin and I broadened our taste. Um, you know, it's funny how my palate has changed over the past couple of years, even. Yeah, uh, I'd like, if you could maybe tell us a little about where you started in that and how it's progressed in your, your preferences and beer styles and things. Yeah, so, so initially, you know, I went the IPA route uh, and just tried some different things and um, you know, when I started, it was really all West Coast. So, you know, drinking the Bitter Boys was was initially what I was introduced to. So once I drank those uh, and felt that, you know, we kind of like those, uh, you know, this haze craze has come across the, the nation and, and all these breweries. So, um, you know, if, if you started on something else than hazy IPAs, you probably are a real craft beer drinker, you, you know. Um, some of the folks don't really like the, the bitter guys, but, uh, you know, these West Coast styles that we're getting in West Virginia breweries are, are, are great. Um, you know, I can say two years ago, even maybe a year and a half ago, um, I wasn't a fan of a Saison, and now I can't get enough of them. I, I, I really can't, and, and it's been great in West Virginia to have some quality Saisons made. Um, mm -hmm. Excuse me. You, I mean, you mentioned a few of the breweries that were making good uh, sours, kettle sours, and fruited kettle sours. Who do you think's making the good saisons and farmhouse ales now? Oh gosh, it's got to be Sam and Weather Ground down there. Um, you know, if you haven't had uh, a hop farm and miner in, in the past, um, that's such a great saison. Um, we actually got one in today uh, that that he just made that I'm really wanting to try called El Dorado Saison. Um, his farmhouse ales have, have just been, uh, you know, delicious. The, uh, I went down and uh, about a month ago when he had the uh, banana pepper Saison on, uh, I went down and, and had that and it was just, you know, there, there's not a better, better Saison brewery in West Virginia right now than Weathered Ground. Well, that kind of leads me into, I think you brought a beer uh, that you're going to taste with us. Uh, you're going to open it up and tell us about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Saison. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
it's amazing how that worked. Um, the the beer I chose is actually uh, the Timbuktu um, that they just came out with in the past couple of weeks. Hold so, that uh, hold that label up a little closer to the to the camera there, so people can see that that beer label. About that. Nice. Uh, you know the artwork in the whole state has been phenomenal, and I think you guys you know touched on that here recently with the explosion of, of the different artists and all the can art in the state. And, you know, truthfully, a lot of folks that come in the bar, they're buying, they're buying cans off of art. Um, so, you know, these crazy designs that we have, people just love. So yeah, the, I know the, the uh, Timbuktu uh, beer, and I, when you taste it, you're going to tell us how it tastes, but I know it was made with some local ingredients, uh, malt from North Carolina, from uh, Riverbend Malt House, and also uh, strawberries from Tim and Sue's farm, which is where they got the name Tim Buck Sue, Tim and Sue Ward, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, you know, initially he, he put this in red wine barrels and, and fermented it the first time. Um, and, and then he actually... Uh, added 100 pounds of strawberries uh, and let it ferment a second time. And then he actually, you know, at that point bottled it and it, it fermented in the bottles for the third time. So um, at the bar, we have it on draft and we have it on bottle. And yeah, that's, a, that's a real traditional style then to ferment in a, in a barrel and then uh, also to do bottle conditioning and let it again re-ferment in the bottle and all plus add the fruit and ferment there too. You know, that's, that's crazy. You'd, you'd think it might be a big ABV beer, but it's not. It's not, it's, it's real light. Um, it's crisp and the, it's amazing. The strawberry flavor that you get through, um, it still has that, that Saison style to me. It kind of, I still get a little bit of pepper on the back end, but it's the strawberry that's really up front. Um, Lots of strawberry. Yeah, lots and lots of strawberry. And, and this is, I mean, this is the best saison I've had this year in the state uh, by far. Wow, that's that's quite an endorsement because you get to try them all at the bar, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a perk. Yeah, so uh, that you were mentioning that label art. The artist I saw uh, was Jason Lockhart, and I'm not familiar with Jason Lockhart, but it's uh, the website is kidinthebackground.com kidinthebackground.com but anyway that it, it's great to see not only local ingredients from the farm from the wards farm there the strawberries in this beer but also to see a local artist you know making the label uh, i just yeah. that's something that they do well right down there at, at weathered ground right they're out of beckley and we actually use them to design our crowler label and then the latest line of shirts so Oh, um, so you know them? Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. Wow, they do great work, um, and, and they do a lot of the barrel fruit labels. Um, for okay, that is is by Jason. Okay, well, anyway, it's a six percent ABV, uh, sold in five hundred milliliter bottles, and it's available. Uh, it had been available around the Charleston Huntington market a little. I guess you still have some at the bar. I, I hope. We do, and and we actually have it on draft also. Oh, oh nice! Oh man, very nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, I just so wanted to 
Uh, go, go ahead. So the draft is a little different taste. Um, it, it's kind of weird. We, we compared them the other night um, and, and, you know, we had some bottles and then we did some draft tastings of it. So um, I prefer the bottles, but some folks actually preferred the draft. Interesting. Yeah, that would be different because if you have a bottle conditioned beer, it usually makes a difference in the flavor. Should. Right. Hey, and I wanted to throw in a couple of other mentions for since we're talking about weather ground, a couple other there fairly new beers or or new released beers that are old beers that have come back. Uh, Cashmere IPA. Uh, I know he reformulated that one a little bit with the hopping. Um, then he uh, has the cool, new batch of Cool Ridge Lager in, and also out in cans in Cool Ridge Lager. We've got Smolder Bach came back, a beer that he did with some smoked amber malts. Uh, and then that Ennis Killen Irish Dry Stout is uh, back out in cans as well. I imagine a lot of those you do carry or get from time to time at the pallet bar, don't you, Ben? Yeah, we just got a delivery today. Uh, we also got a delivery of their new IPA, uh, Thespian Espionage. Espionage <laughs> that must be so, a special one. That's a cool name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, I think, uh, I talked to Sam, it's Sabro and Talus Hops. So uh, I can't wait to taste that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, it, I wonder, are you able to get occasionally any of their little small batch beers? I mean, I know they they started making them again. I or I saw that on their uh, Facebook page. I, I think they're they're ten gallon. Um, I've been going down and trying them just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do too. I like those. <laughs> but yeah, he he's kept those tap room only. Um, okay. Uh, well. Uh, I guess that kind of, anybody else have a question for Ben Moore you want to know? I mean, well, Ben, thanks a lot for coming on and talking about the Pallet Bar and all the great things you guys are doing in Taze Valley and all the wonderful beers, and especially the your commitment to West Virginia beer. I Absolutely. mean, we all appreciate that. So. We do. Thank you for your time tonight. Sure. Thank you all. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Hopefully see you at the bar. But when Cheers, the everyone. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Okay, we're back um, out here on Aaron's back porch. <laughs> kind of uh, raining, and it's raining uh, here in South Charleston, West Virginia. But it was great, kind of a makeshift uh, since my house fell apart and we, <laughs> my location <laughs> fell apart and we had to move. So here we are on the second part of our West Virginia Beer Roads program today. And we're going to move into a little tasting of some fairly new and different West Virginia made beers. And I'm going to turn it over to Aaron. So Aaron, my co-host, take it away. First off, we have the Peddler. Basics of this Hellas Ween, as they have called it. There's German Pilsner with a couple uh, Munich malts. It's got Omega Yeast, Kvike, which is probably wrong, but I'm trying. Well, that is a, let's talk about that yeast because that's a very unusual yeast. It's a, they found it in Norway or that's what the people, certain old breweries in Norway brew with. And, Ooh, and, and ready. You know, whether it's called Kvike or Quike or Quike or however they say it, people say it different ways, but uh, it's, a, it's a yeast that ferments fast and warm. 
Yes. And and yet it doesn't give you the like a normal yeast, a brewer's yeast, if it were fermenting that hot at 90 degrees or something, would give you all kinds of phenols and different esters and things that you you know probably wouldn't want in there. Be plasticky right. and stuff like that. Who knows? Right. But this yeast is one they've found in certain brewers in America or you know have tried it now and it's interesting. I don't know if I mean, it may not be the first use in West Virginia, but this is one of the first uses in West Virginia of that kind of yeast. It's a whole new style of yeast. Definitely. And uh, it's good to see that Jay Fox down there at the Dove Hadler yeah, is brewing with this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I butted in if you want to talk more about I mean, what's in this. Beer. He does that a lot. I'm kind of used to it. But, you know, back to what we were saying, that this definitely was, as he termed it, a very interesting kind of unique beer for them and, and a, a fall release beer. Um, it is on tap. Of course, you can get a crowler as we did, as they were gracious enough to provide for our tasting. And it's it's just delicious. It's well, bready clear. to me as far as um, yeah, it's, it's it very, I guarantee you it is not a Hellas. If you have a Hellas lager, if you're thinking of Hellas and you Hellas lager, this is not does not taste like a, a lager, a Hellas lager in the hopping or the or the yeast. It, that yeast gives it a definite different different direction it does and it's uh it, it, there's definitely a, a lot of malt though i feel like i, I have mm. coming out of that there's flavors in it there's a lot of flavors there is a it's lot a, of flavor it's quite different it i mean is. it's not a beer flavor I, that I, i've uh, had before right I and i he, as he said he was trying to make it kind of lager ish but he didn't he didn't really push that because it's something right. about brew to bottle in 10 days as part of the process that they went through but um, this is this is interesting. You're this saying has the, a good flavor. How it, it had the holler towel hops in it. It does have the the holler but, towel hops. Yes. But see, I don't get a lot of that. That's more I, of the I, classic uh, German noble hop flavor that you get in those German lagers, and I don't get that flavor in here. I don't either. Or there's a dominant flavor maybe that just bounces that one to the back. I really think this is the first beer that I've ever had with this yeast that I've actually enjoyed. I've tried um, several beers from, um, you know, other, other breweries. Yeah. Other non-West Virginia non breweries. Virginia breweries. <laughs> um, and I, I love this. Yeah, this is like, good. This is good. really good. This is good. That's great. Yeah. All right. So um, this is, again, the Pebbler Brewery in Huntington, West Virginia. It's the home of Duck Fat Fries. They are amazing. They're amazing. I love them. I would know. No, they're down there on Third Avenue in Huntington. If you haven't been to the Pebbler, get to Huntington and get over there and try some of Jay's beers. I mean, almost everything he makes, I love. I, it's amazing. I didn't know that that would happen, but I'm a big fan now. No. Anyway, let's, let's go on. Sorry. Next, beer two. Beer two. We have from Bad Shepherd Beer Company here in Charleston, West Virginia. It is the Big Bend Hammer. It is a very robust imperial stout. Um, it's aged for this one um, eight months in a smooth ambler bourbon barrel, which is also a West Virginia business. Um, and it's the name of this beer comes from the Big Bend Tunnel, which is in Hinton, and after John Henry still driving hammer. It's described as from Brewer Ross Williams. He said one of his longest, stickiest brew days they ever had, which I found quite funny. And it's because they um, they mash in, and this one in particular took three mash ins, and he said it was just very sticky and a lot to deal with. And there was about fifteen hundred uh, pounds worth of grain in total with this this big 
beautiful imperial stout that we have here to try today. What's the ABV? Well, it's, I believe uh, it's 13.8, it right? 13 yes. So it takes a lot of grain to get that much alcohol out of a beer. 13.8. 13.8. Well, you know, that's a, that's a big beer. That's uh, a bigger it's a big, than... Look, Most imperial stouts are not nearly this this high in alcohol, but no, uh, but I love that it was aged in uh, bourbon barrel and smooth ambler. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know because that's more cool. West Virginia. Yeah, yeah oh, it's of, so good. A lot of uh, use of smooth ambler barrels because they are supplying other breweries as well in West Virginia. It's, it's good to see. I think uh, Ed Shipper has used their barrels before. They have, have a, I think they have several or like continue to get the smooth amber barrel. That's I'm, nice. I'm told this particular batch, although of course it's been in the market previously, this this brick or this style, um, but this particular batch was bottled in September, so it's very fresh. And you know, this one is one of the ones that I really like because it it sneaks up on you a bit. Cause it yeah. you you know, as you at first when I smell it anyway, it's it's a bit boozy, but it doesn't taste boozy at all which is the scary part because you drink it and it's like, wow. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> find this one nearly as bourbon forward as some I don't, I don't bourbon barrel style. I do a little bit, but I'm more, I think I'm more sensitive to the bourbon notes and flavors and things, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Everybody's palate's different. Of course. So, okay. sure, you know. Yeah, well, the Big Ben Hammer from Bad Shepherd Brewing Company in Charleston, West Virginia. Come down. There's all kinds of good stuff to drink yeah. and eat there. Okay. The additional beers uh, that you can get at Bad Shepherd, um, they're normally known for the Lab, which is an IPA. And also right now they have on Electric Petting Zoo, which is one of my probably favorite IPAs now. And keep on keeping on. All good IPAs, which anyone who knows me knows I'm like an IPA lover. I do like other styles, but they are my favorite. Yeah, Bad Shepherd's a brewery known to put out tons of small batch beers. I mean, yes. they, they probably, maybe them and the abolitionists are the two that uh, make more different beers in the course of a year releasing. And some of them are coming back from the one they brewed before last year, but they just brew and brew and brew. And it's and they hit some of them really well. They I mean, do. There's some that, like you say, these IPAs, that, that's nice to see. They do. So, so next we have Free Folk, the Free Folk. Uh, Excuse me. The Free Folk Brewery out of Fayetteville, West Virginia, has provided the Ravencliff Milk Stout that they have coming out. It's not actually going to be available um, until about three weeks from now, so it'll be, uh, you know, uh, mid mid November, maybe the first week of November. They made a batch at the brewery and then sold out immediately. So they're trying trying to brew more as we speak. And, um, this one is great. It's a creamy lactose stout, and which is great for cooler weather, of course. It's richly malted with chocolate roasted barley and oats. It's coming in at 4.6 ABV. And this in particular batch has 10 pounds of flaked oats and 10 wow. pounds of milk sugar. So let's see what we think. Yeah. Ooh, I smell the aroma is amazing. It is. It's, the is that coffee for you? That's what it is for me. Oh, it's very good. Well, I get chocolate myself. I get chocolate in addition to the coffee. Yeah, yeah, but that's a that's a that's a signature of a milk stout. It is. And it, it is. You know, it's. Oh, yeah, and and they shouldn't be high ABV. They ought to be very low ABV, and they ought to that's be extremely good. drinkable. Creamy, very yeah, creamy, and very mouth filling. It, well, the mouth feels great if it's not thin, which a lot of times I think you get can get anyway. With milk stout, at least shouldn't it, right. A good one wouldn't, but, but this happens. one 
is good. Yeah, this one is delicious. Yeah. Smells great. It finishes clean. It's got great flavor. Yeah. It's all the senses. Good. Yeah. You know, they're uh, a brewery that's a couple years old. A couple years old now, maybe. You it's it's that a little less than that, probably. Very new. Very and, new. And their second, into their second year, I guess you want to say. Yeah. But yeah, they down in Fayetteville, um, get a lot of traffic through there. Not mm -hmm. only, you know, West Virginians, but a lot of out-of-state people come down there, and I think it's a great market for, for West Virginia craft beer. Um, Free Folk has a really cool, well, you guys have uh, been cool in their, yeah, their cool taproom. Yeah. yeah, their taproom, like, they has a J.D. Lester, one of the, the owners, co-owners, that has his art. He's an artist, and he has all that art on the wall. He paints everywhere, and it's everything. very intriguing. So it's worth it just stopping to look around. And they, they have a nice patio. Yeah. They have they a very, very nice patio. Nice outdoor area. Food truck. They almost always got some kind of a food truck and a, a they, bonfire. I mean, yeah, they have like their own kitchen and they they do a lot of tacos. They yeah. do. So. And even yeah, though they, they're a fairly new brewery in the state, they make a lot of different kinds of beer. They've they come out with a series yes. of beer after beer. They well, they've got uh, the wildlife series. Wildlife. Yeah, with the labels really on the bottom. Great. Yeah, those really cool great labels. labels. Yes. <laughs> what all they have on that? I mean, uh, the the. Big Eared Bat is yeah. one that's about is that to the come new out. one, the Big Eared Bat. Yeah, that's cool. which is an amazing label and just all around well done. You know, I'm sure people's, if you haven't, we did a recent piece on uh, labels and can art, and it's just it's just cool. It's very intriguing to me, especially from the artist's perspective and fun to watch. Yeah, they're, they're making. Uh, I don't know. I figure those bottles are larger bottles. They're not like a 12 ounce bottle. They're either 16s they're, or oh, they're the is. size of the 500. Yep. I thought, yeah, I think they're about 100. Yeah. Yeah, so they have a, a lot of label space, more than a 12 inch bottle. And, yeah. they, and when they make it those. They get a lot of detail. Yeah, when they put the wildlife series, I mean, they use a full, like it's the size of a 16 ounce can wrap, but it's yes. on a bottle. Yes. So it's a, a nice size palette for the the artists to put all those beautiful figure bat uh, drawings on there. And I could definitely see myself drinking this, especially around the fire as they have at the brewery. This would be great. It's actually like really nice right now, like where it's raining. <laughs> And it's like perfect. Yeah, it's just like it's perfect temp for this. Right now. <laughs> like, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is delicious. Get it when they have it on draft in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and um, I also saw that they've come out with their Trucker Speed IPA, they which is their it. standard IPA, but they've now got it in cans. They do. Oh, That's really? brand new. They they do. I had yeah. no idea they were canning. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Four packs. They have four, four packs. packs. If they're cool. doing uh, little small batch cans, I don't even know. But they are, it's come out. They said they had it in cans, and you can get it at the brewery in cans. And I assume it's a, the taller can since it's a four pack, a sixteen. Sixteen ounce. ounce. Yeah, it was sixteen ounce. Mm -hmm. And um, then they a little late to the game maybe, but they still have their uh, and just recently released their Folktoberfest. Oh yes, right. Oh. Which uh, we. Originally thought we might get a sample for, but we were trying to just focus on one beer for each brewery that we were sampling this evening. But um, I have heard good things about it. It looks great. I don't have a lot of detail, but it sounds like it would be a great, obviously, fall beer to try. So yeah, I'm, I, I haven't it's tried it yet. I haven't gotten to it. It's an amber colored beer, and I haven't tried it either, but I know that uh, it is out now and probably in distribution, but at least it's available in Fayetteville, I'm sure. It is. All right. So. Ready for the we, last we, we have a last beer coming up, and it is a very new release from Big Timber. It is called Cake Smash. Cake Smash. It's a German chocolate cake imperial stout. Now, if you can get all that in there, German chocolate cake, you know, it's got the caramelly 
coconut icing. So right. yeah. you got to figure there's got to be caramel. There's got to be coconut in here as well as the chocolate. So it ought to be all three. Oh my. Lots of chocolate. Mm. The can. Oh, lots of coconut. The can. Oh my God. Yes. The coconut. Mm -hmm. That's. Sorry, my lips are a little chapped. In case I've been chewing my lip all night. That's why. Oh, wow. Oh Tons of coconut. And this chocolate. is like fabulous. Yeah. This is this like is dessert beer. Dessert beer. Yeah. 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 Well, usually they are. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Mm. Like oh my I'm gosh. not gonna lie, like, I, <laughs> that I is a liquid cake. That is a liquid cake. I like, want a beginning lot of this. to end. It really, it's like taking a bite of cake, chewing it up, and swallowing it. I mean, it's it's yeah. exactly that. That's a, it, it smells exactly like it's supposed to. All kinds of coconut, all kinds of chocolate. And what was the ABV on that? Thirteen. Um, uh, no. Yes. It was 13. This I was going to say less. This like, wow. is not like, yeah. I don't Ooh, feel like it's a 13%. This is another not boozy beer that, yeah. you know, we like a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because it, it really isn't boozy. There's no, no, there's, it's like, a, this is a piece of cake in a glass just for your enjoyment. After dinner, perfect once you sink down on the couch when your stomach's full and your eyes kind of wander off because you're dozing. This is the, that beer that will do that to you. Like no alcohol whatsoever in this. Like, where did they hide it? Yeah, <laughs> where did oh, you that is? Oh, I want to know how they how where did you put that in there? It's amazing. Yeah. Like, it is a dessert yeah. beer. You know, these are beers for sharing because they're they're fun. Like we're having fun sharing that beer, yeah. and yeah, that's that's what I would do if I were you know if I had the option that I'd I'd be sharing this beer with somebody I love. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, this is it very much I subscribe, and it's like a piece of cake. So skip the cake. Get the dessert. Don't even eat dessert. Just get the beer. Like, don't <laughs> eat. <laughs> oh, these tastings are fun. They are always. And we got to do this again, and guys. We do have to do this. I again. would just like to say uh, thank you both for inviting me today. Like, I, we, we I very enjoy doing this. Good. Well, I appreciate your palate that you've added to uh, our tasting exercise, especially Absolutely. and the questions you asked from uh, the the pet. Or I mean the Pallet bar. I get it out here. I'm lost. The Listen, pallet we, bar. We know about those food trucks. So <laughs> I just got to say, love him, what he's doing with the food trucks. Yeah, and, it was, and that's a good change up for them, especially because yeah. we don't have any kind of outdoor sitting at the moment. Yes. Although he did say that there are plans, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But maybe we'll talk about that at our next tasting. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever beer we use we'll do is, is up and coming. So. And I hate to. Uh, close on a sad note but I, I do need to mention that the passing of scott spencer who was the proprietor at tops off barbershop in charleston and scott was such a community spirited guy i mean when that he he was he, amazing yeah and um tell what he's done I, for for our our craft beer club um he was the one that um the abc got strict when we couldn't really go and have our tastings anymore um in restaurants and other bars that we would go to um scott welcomed us with open arms um so we came like we always did with our monthly tastings he'd come in um, after hours um, and, and let us come in and have our tastings um he's done so much for the community and it's just such an amazing um individual so yeah really sad to Big see loss. that and, uh, 
but we pass along our condolences from uh, West Virginia Beer Roads and praise and all to his family and uh, uh, just so sorry to see this, this happen. Guys, uh, thanks again for another successful episode of West Virginia Beer Roads. And Aaron, you want to close anything up there? Yeah. So cheers from all of us at West Virginia Beer Roads. Yeah, bringing uh, lots of information about West Virginia beers from uh, Aaron McCoy's back porch in, in the rain. In the rain, but we are covered by We do. Thanks. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.